If you have an eye for other people's failures, then your failure is so big, you can barely see it. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a part of a series we've been doing on spiritual warfare, going through Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. We're praying this is useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true text today is from Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take this helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks 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 be to God. God. You are just so hosed, all of you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm just telling you, right. Have you ever heard the expression host? That's a very Canadian expression. That's where I was from a Canadian. It was, <laughs> it was a Canadian comedy show when I first heard it. Okay. So that's where I'm blaming it. No, you're, 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 I don't know what hope you came in with today, but I, I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if we have perspective on spiritual warfare. We're, we're in a series of invisible, about the invisible war. And I, 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 I've been wanting to cover this, and, you know, and I've been wanting to somehow push on to you or somehow convince you, or cajole you, uh, dance in front of you so that you'll think this is important, so you'll know it's important, so that you'll, you'll, you'll want, to, you'll be able to see it, you'll be able to perceive it. And, but in one sense, you're just, we're just all so hosed. We just really are. We're, we're called to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his power, but we're really standing against the schemes of the devil. That's what we're going to look at today. The schemes. And the word there in, in Greek, you'll recognize it. It's method. Methodios. And we get our English word method from it. And it's the methods of the devil in this present darkness. The flaming darts of the evil. What, what is it? What are these? And what does this keep alert with all perseverance? What does this mean? And I'm hoping that we're going to move. We're going to move forward. And today we're especially going to look at some of the designs, some of the, the methods and attacks of, of demonic power. And that's really where I want, want, us, want us to go. But the reason I was going to say we're so hosed is, 
as you've heard me say this before, we've got, we are stuck in the sense, in the central place, in this central nexus, in this battleground right here. Let me see if I've got my little, uh, oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, we're stuck here right in the middle, right here. I think I can draw on this. No, I can't. Um, uh, the, with the flesh, the world, and the demonic. You see here, the, we're in a sense located in this nexus. And what I'm, what I'm earnest to to, to uh, encourage you about is everything above this line, everything above the triangle, everything below the triangle, we tend to know about. We know about, we know about our internal world. We're very aware that we have desires that we don't understand and we don't want. Every one of you has desires you don't want to have. <laughs> you have desires for things you don't want to have. It's just, it's a universal human experience and it's predicted by the Bible. It's the internal world of desires, addictions, emotions, and habits. But the external world we're also familiar with that, the values of success, common sense, wealth, and the pride of life. It's the world system and the ideas that exist all around us. Now, between our flesh and the world, it seems like we're in bad shape already. But then we're being invited, and this is why I'm having such a hard time teaching on this. this I, I, let, me, let me make you alert to this. The, the demonic and issues about the devil, Satan, and demons are everywhere in the Bible. I didn't realize it is so hard to put all the verses together because there's so many of them. In other words, it is a pervasive perspective. If you were to try to remove the supernatural, as I think perhaps sometimes we would like to do, Thomas Jefferson was famous for this. He, he edited his, his Bible and snipped out the little piece of the parts. He snipped them out with scissors and cut them out. He cut out everything he didn't agree with. Maybe you want to do that. If you were to try to cut out all of the supernatural stuff, it, it, it's amazing how much there is. It, it's, the, the, the whole worldview is drenched in. And of course, that's where we're going to go is, is I want to convince you that you need a new world view. And this is a part of it that you will now see. Now, why did I put the demonic up here? I, I, I was kidding me. I was reading Martin Lloyd-Jones. You've read Gush Reed Loser. And, and, and at once you begin to realize that they... They're, they are immersed in the concept of a spiritual world. In other words, as real as your desires, evil desires are, Peter, you, the, and the world tells you satisfy those desires, at every point that you meet those desires, there is demonic agency either immediately present or immediately present. In other words, demonic plans continue to go on about your life all the time. Now, demons, I'm not saying they're eternal or immortal or they don't have, they are not omnipresent or omniscient. We'll see that God and the devil aren't equals. But the idea here is that you, Melody, there will not come a time when you go to work and you are not being waited for by the demonic power. It's just reality. And it's a reality in this worship service. In other words, I guess in one sense, the scriptures and the Bible are not just encouraging you to to change some of your perspectives. <laughs> well, change some of your views or, or tailor some of your views. No, it's really calling you to a different view of the world than you have ever had before. It is saying in the end that the material world of the cosmos that scientists claim to have laid hold of is an incomplete version and vision of the world. It is dangerously incomplete, dangerously false. For where it is true, it is only half of the truth. The demonic. You're so hosed. But 
biblical assumptions that we need to we need going forward. And that's really what I'm doing here. I'm building and I'm building and I'm building because I realize we don't even have the basic building blocks to build our view of the world the way the Bible describes the world to us. But the biblical assumptions about all of this demonic stuff is first we we know what we need to know. And imperfect information is okay. Anybody who tells you that there's a demon in the chair or a demon in that room or a demon of homosexuality or a demon of thievery, don't listen to them because they're claiming to know things the Bible doesn't talk about and therefore they're lying. They're claiming knowledge that is not shared with us. And people have been doing this since the first century. Now, if you want to read the book of um, one of the books of Enoch, for example, you'll see lists of all the demons and their names and things like that. If, that. if you're curious, I don't encourage you to be curious about that. There is no certain knowledge there anywhere. Stay away from that. We have imperfect knowledge. We know as much as we need to do. We have to make new assumptions about the world. Two, you can't play the blame game. This is one of the assumptions. No excuses for sin here. What, what's the tempting thing you, you want to do right here, Rochelle? as you're standing right here. Oh, it's because I'm so, I have these desires, I can't help it. Oh, it's okay, the world, I'm just fitting in. Oh, oh, what else, what else is happening here? Oh, you're being lied to, but you can't use that as an excuse. You can never say, the devil made me do it. But what a terrible, what a terrible circumstance for you, right? You're besieged on all sides. And the demonic will use the flesh in the world. And it works in concert. There's no, this is, this is a, it's a scary universe that the, that the Bible opens up to us. Third, God and the devil are not equals. All right, this came out as something called Zoroastrianism and it's been popularized by George Lucas and others. The idea that good and evil are merely tw- sides of the same coin in an endless battle in the cosmos. And are you a, are you a Sith? Or are you a Jedi? <laughs> Here's the substance of all moral questions for humanity, right? But no, no, God and the devil are not equals. Demons are created beings. That's all they are. Gone bad. And final, the, the battle is now. And this is where it comes back and I want, with so much earnestness. No one is exempt and there's no rest. And you know, I, I have had this false humility. I spoke, I actually said it last year. I was, it was a moment I was just suffering, a lot of stuff was going on, and I was complaining, and I was like, you know, I want to say that maybe, uh, maybe it's spiritual warfare, but you know, I'm just not that important. I said that. I think I may have said it to you at some point. or some, I, say, I say stupid things like this. Somebody should smack me <laughs> with the Bible, because that is simply isn't true. I don't care if you're new in, the, new in the Lord or old in the Lord. I don't care if you're a little kid or you're an adult. You are all, we are all, we are all in the battle. Now, having moved on with these assumptions, I want us to keep, I want us to actually ask the question, what can the demonic actually do? Come on, I'm going to get down to brass tacks. Can they move this chair? Any, any takers? I don't think so. I don't think so. But we don't, I don't know. Again, imperfect knowledge haunts us. But we have to know this. They can only do what God allows. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Christ is saying this to Peter, but there's, what's the worldview behind this statement? What's the assumption underpinning what Christ says? Satan can't do anything without his permission. It's that final. 
We hit this in Job. The story and the narrative of Job is not fantasy. It is meant to be a glimpse for you into the realities of how the eternal world works and the heavenly places work. Well, we little, so little we know, but we know just enough to know that the devil is an errand boy and all the demons with him, and they can only do what they are permitted to do. And in fact, in Job, they keep escalating. And you will notice, not only that, but they will keep escalating. Only what God allows, only as far as God permits. The I am said to Satan regarding Job, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only him do not stretch out your hand against him. This isn't the first time when he said, you could take everything Job has, but you can't touch his body. In chapter two, Satan comes back and says, I want to up the ante. Skin for skin, says, says the, de- the devil, as he accuses. And it's this idea that only what God allows, only to the extent that God permits. But what can he do physically or emotionally? He can blind, look, look, let's take a look at three parts. Thoughts and ideas in the mind. The theater of Satan's operation is mostly the psyche, the mind, the soul, the uh, thoughts, the thought life. He can blind the minds of this world of unbelievers. What he can blind in them, he can speak in us. He speaks to Peter. He can, he can actually speak, but uh, he can speak into your mind. And, and the, the, guys, this, this is eye-opening. Put this. Have you ever said, called yourself a piece of trash? Has anybody ever done this before? Have you ever called yourself a piece of trash? Anybody? What if, now hold me, what if for a moment you were to entertain the idea that wasn't even you speaking? It's a weird idea. I know it gets kind of like, what? But not every thought in you is from you. That's one of the lies of modern psychology because modern psychology lives in a one-story universe in which there is no God and there can be no spiritual reality. And therefore it is hampered. It limps. It, try, it can understand much about humanity, but there's so much it can't understand. Not every thought that comes into your mind is from you. He, God, God permits in the thoughts and ideas of the mind. Physical suffering of the body. So Satan went out from the presence of the I am and struck Job with what? Loathsome sores. Only what God allows when he permits, but it can be physical suffering of the body. I have friends who have experienced what they would count as true pain. It came uh, not from anything physical, but from, a, from a, something spiritual. And that's weird, but if you wait till you experience it, it's awful. All right. And then finally... Matthew 16, 23, he turned and said to Peter, Christ talking to Peter, Peter just told Jesus, you're not going to go to the cross. And Christ spins around and says this. I, I don't know what tone it was set in. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how Peter processed it. It must have hurt like crazy to have Jesus call you Satan. And any of you, any take, you know, I don't think anybody wants that. And, but he can work through others. Wow. I remember, um, I, I, you hear people like really live, believe this stuff, like we should, like we're called to in the Bible. It's wonderful to be around them. I remember Yvonne, this wonderful woman in my first church, a black woman, she would say, you know, they were talking to me, but I know it was the devil talking through them because those were lies coming out of her mouth. She was able to see in others when they were doing things that were evil or racist and identify it that it was really a demonic work. It was really remarkable to be around her because she would, and, and almost, and it wasn't crazy superstitious kind of stuff. It was wise. And wise in a way you would realize is a part, because racism is a big part of satanic lies. In the end, 
This actually is one of the best models we have. The shoulder conversation, you're familiar with this. Now, the reason I put it up here is some of you aren't from America, so you may not be familiar with this mythological picture in American, from American and Western ideas. And that is an angel and a devil. But I want you to notice something here. What do the angel and the devil look like? Who do they look like? They look like Homer. Because modern psychology takes the angelic and the demonic impulses to be what? Representations of you, right? The truth in that is that I think the devil and the demons always sound like your voice. They know how to sound like your voice. And that's kind of terrifying. But that vision of modern psychology, which does, so tries to articulate visually the internal struggle we feel between temptation and our own desires and our flesh, is actually the most biblical picture of the idea that we have voices. We have a, there's a real presence, ready to speak to us and speak to our flesh, ready to convince us and deceive. What can the demonic do? The cruel shots. We're going to look at the cruel shots and the false graces. The cruel shots, lies, cults, religions. Everybody has a different interpretation of the Bible. You're too sinful. You shouldn't hold a grudge. Satan isn't real. God's too busy. You should hold a grudge, sorry. You're all alone and no one cares. You can't really trust the Bible. Folks are out to get you. The Bible is nice, it just doesn't work. Jesus never existed. How could something that feels this good be wrong? We could put that over San Francisco. Just put that over San Are you smarter than all this? Not, aren't you smarter than all of the lies? Have, I don't know what lies you've heard, but they will always again and again be something that wants to deny the truth of God. The sh second cool shot is fear. I remember one of my best friends, so animated by God, a remarkable girl, uh, 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 Tal met her this, when we got married, Mary Kay. And she always had a passion for God I envied. And I remember when, as she was at, thinking about becoming a missionary, um, she heard a voice one night. And she never, she, she never forgot it. And she actually decided not to go into missions because of it. I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to kill your whole family. I'm all night long. She was so terrified by the morning that she gave up the idea. If you think that, th that these are not real, then you do not know spiritual temptation. Now, let, let, one of the reasons that demonic temptation also may be so fresh to you or may be so foreign to you is because uh, when you're struggling with your flesh in the world, or let's say you're not struggling with the flesh in the world, <laughs> let's say you're giving into the flesh and you're living into the world, Satan may never really... And the demonic may have little, little purpose in bothering you. And some of us have not experienced spiritual conflict because we're already defeated. <laughs> There's no point. And we'll see why. We'll see what the purpose is here. But fear, fear. You're, you're going to miss out on all the fun. How many of you heard that FOMO? How many of you becoming a Christian, you're going to miss out on all the fun? If you, I've heard that secret. I've heard that lie, that fear. What if it's all not true? Anybody? Uh, just give me an amen if anybody. Mess up and God will smite you. Anybody, anybody heard that one? Are you really sure God's looking out for you? What if bad stuff happens to your family? What if you fail? What if people find out all your secrets? Look at how folks get ahead when they don't believe. You'll die alone if you keep following God. Climate change will kill us all. God doesn't care. Death is coming. Winter's coming? That's garbage. Death is coming. Threats. If you follow this religion, you're not going to get ahead. 
You're no match for demonic power. Get real. I can take away your job and your family and your health. You'll never amount to anything before God. He's perfect. You're essentially unworthy of God's love, aren't you? Quit hoping. Your best goodness is only trash to God. He said so. I will make your life so miserable. Be nice if God ever got involved here, but he won't, he won't with you. Unimportant people like you should not aspire to spiritual war. Lies, fears, and threats. The cruel shots. Fiery arrows. They hurt. They sting. Because they hit so close to truth, don't they? And the things we think and feel. Satan plays your flesh like a violin. And he plays the world like a chess game. And he's a master player. You can't beat him. What's his goal in all this? Well, we'll keep going. The false graces. These are the worst not only does he do the cruel shots, where does the first, where's the first exorcism happen in the book of Mark? Where's the first exorcism? It's in the, it's in the synagogue. It's in the church. False graces are one of Satan's great strategies. With God, I can do it. Yes, God is my self-help pal. I love Christianity. It's the best self-help guide ever. He's here to help out. The best self-help of God is your co-pilot. Strenuous effort will pay off. You gotta, I pray and read every day. I tell everyone the good stuff I do, so they'll be encouraged to go do it too. <laughs> Amen. Pa, what is this? What did Christ teach us in Matthew 5, 37? Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Try harder. This is one of the false graces that, that Satan invites you to in the church. You need to be more spiritual. You don't even have a spiritual tone when you pray. What's the matter with you? Can't you, can't you sound more spiritual? What's, what is the matter? And then what do we do? We try and we try and we try. And what is the point here? Oh, it's the point is to discourage us because that's not real faith. And that's not real hope. What else does he do? What's the next false grace? I have the gift of discernment. I'm just sharing my insight. I only want to help out. I'm a leader. It's what I do. Are, are we going to let people sin? My last pastor, church, small group, blank. Anybody who talks about their last church or the last pastor or the last small group, stay away. Holiness just isn't that popular nowadays. That message was for every time you've heard of me preach and you've thought about somebody else who should hear it, this is for you. <laughs> it's a false grace. And what am I saying here? Look, let's read this. When you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, some sin, some error, some mistake, some crime, but not notice the log that is in your own eye, why do you do that? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, let me help you with this weakness you have, when there's a log in your own eye? Now, you hypocrite, first take out the log. It's so funny. Christ is like saying there's a telephone pole <laughs> sticking out of your face, and while you're doing this with a stick, you're, hey, let me help you, Melody. Let me, I, I can't see around the line. You see how absurd this is? It's, this, it's, a, it, it's great comedy. Christ is, here's a comic, a comic image that Christ is painting. Now, um, what's the crime of the log? What's the crime of the log? What's the crime that person has with the log? They're the accuser of the brethren. What am I describing here? People who are earnest to be critical of other people and how they fail. It's a false grace. And people enter into the church thinking, I need to make sure everybody else is doing the right thing. I'm just, I'm just here to, to that my criticism and my, I'm trying to help. This is my discipleship. 
But what do we realize that no sooner that the people who are looking for faults in others are mimicking, what what does Satan's name mean? The accuser. The accuser. And one of the things I see happening constantly in the church, what's the vehicle by which these judgments arrive? Gossip. And words about others and speaking, well, I just want to help out. You know, she failed and she's wrong and I, and, or he's wrong and I, I'm here to, and what do we, what do we find is in this log, this absurd log image is Christ telling you, if you have an eye for other people's fault, that's the greatest fault of all. If you have an eye for other people's failures, then your failure is so big, you can barely see it. If you think you're a discerning person who can point out the errors of other people, your very judgments are aimed right back at you. For when you point with one finger, what's happening? Three fingers, right? Pointing right back at you, right back at you. Whoop, boop, 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 just like that. (laughs) The crime of fault finding in the church and criticism is the false vision of love. And finally, let go and let God. What is the final false grace? You don't have to do anything. Just relax. You're saved. Deeper trust means less action. God will say, folks, don't be so earnest. All you need is more praise in your life. The feeling of dependence is equal to faith. It's not true. What is this? This is super spiritualism. This is this idea that Christ repudiates when Satan tries to tempt him in it. Throw yourself off of this high place. He will command his angels. You have the promises of God. And Jesus said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Um, This idea that we need to be more passive and let go and let God and that all we have to do is believe more is a lie. It's half-truth. It's a masquerading as the truth, and it's not the truth. But why? Why does Satan do all this? If you, the lies and this fear that he spreads and his threats, or in the church when you, when you meet, when you try really hard and you can't do it, and you try to everything you can, or you think that loving people is hurting them, or you're super passive, you fall in these weird places, what happens? You become doubtful. Why, this is why the church is filled with cynics. You know, cynicism is a sin. It's a sin of unbelief. And I weary of it. I have cynical Christians are all over this city. Lord, help us. May the Lord forgive them. Because cynicism has no place. But what is it? It's produced by the devil here. An isolation. A lot of times what happens? You get out of there. You get out of community. When you meet people like this in the church, you don't want to go to church. Uh, and these things, are, the morality, we opt for sin just because it's like a relief. It's, sometimes it's just a relief to go and be really sinful. Because now you know what you are. You're just a wretched, nasty little creature. And at least it all feels confirmed. Depression, of course, and then death. But what's the point here? These, even these are not his goals. What's his goal? Kingdom in action. This is the present darkness and the fiery darts of the evil one. Kingdom in action. Satan's goal is to freeze you. It is to get you to stop acting. It is to get you to think that his love will not be big enough to cover all that mess. And you might as well just give up. It's to give you, it's to move you to that point that God cannot love you the 10,000th time. 10,001 is too much, Eric. It's too much. No, these are lies. There is no limit to his love. The demonic endgame and goal is to reduce the believer to inaction. This is through the sifting that Satan asks for. Now I have a question for you. Are any of you right now inanimate like this? 
You see what I mean? Like, this is a diagnostic question. Do you, feel, do you have you yourself retreated into not participating? Yeah, it's easy, isn't it? Even if you ask yourself right now, how many times have you, how many times have you just not shown up or not been there? Because you just want to, I did, I did it to you the other day, Deepak. I wasn't there when you needed me. I would do, we do this constantly. We're not, but it's not showing up in action, pulling back. And of course, it's everything that demonic wants. We've looked at the limits of demonic chains. And, what, what, and remember Jude 6, that the, the, their gloomy darkness has actually chained. These the demons are chained. But we have authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy in Luke 10. In 1 Corinthians 10, we have another promise. No temptation has overtaken you, but God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but he will provide a way out. In James 4, 7, we have a promise. If we submit ourselves, therefore, to God and resist the devil... He will run away. First John 4, 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. And that's what I want to do. How are we going to put on the whole armor, take up the whole armor, fasten on the belt of truth? There's a richness here that I want us to see. A lifestyle. I'm going to go past that. I want to, I want to talk more about that, but I'm not going to right now. Put on means to endue. That's actually the Greek word. Take it up means to pick it up. And then finally, fasten means like wrapped around, like just like wrapped up. It's got that word peri in it. It's wonderful. This is what it, twisting wisdom on you. Earnest for unifying wisdom. Where shall we run, brothers and sisters? What are we going to do in this battle? We got to put on, take up, and wrap ourselves up in truth. And what this is, it's kind of like a, I mean, I don't know how to describe it. You know when, you, when, you're, when you're in the garden and you get down and you're, and you're really weeding and you're working with plants and you get all the way, you get dirt all the way up to your elbows and the, it's called working in the loam. That's what we have to do right now with God's truth. This is the picture we have to do of taking it up of putting it on, of finding first the identity the whole armor brings. And then uh, Paul uses another word, take up, because it, it becomes more active, more living, more, more kinetic, more, more applicable, that we seize what you have in him, acting, acting the whole, uh, it's the action that the whole armor creates. This word whole, we shouldn't miss it, because all of the truth of the universe is God's truth. That's why it's the whole armor, his invisible attributes. What is this? Guys, I, I get worship out of studying physics. I don't know about you guys. How about art? Art? Art's nature. We are meant and we are instructed to put on, put it on uh, as part of our identity, to take it up. It means to go and find it and take, make it ours and even wrap ourselves up in who God is. And first we have to find it is, in, is when you're studying cells, stem cells. It's, it's, it's the beauties of science. It's the glories and wonders of the periodic table. And they're there. You know, subatomic particles sit in perfect balance. Nobody knows why. I know why. I know why. Because I know the one who made it. Who made it. Wrap yourself up in the truth. of. The, and I, I encourage, I think Christians should be the ones studying nature. We should be the ones imbibing deep of the documentaries of this world. Because all of the truth of the universe is God's truth. Praise him. It's everywhere. It's in your animation. It's in your work. It's, it's dripping. We need to wrap ourselves up in it. This is why going out on a hike is such a great idea, right? You're wrapping yourself up. His invisible attributes, they're there to see. His eternal power and divine nature. Put it on, take it up, and wrap yourself up on it. All the truth of the Bible is God's 
breath. You know, Satan's lies could always be reduced to the very first words he speaks in the Bible. What are they? The very first phrase out of the evil one's mouth. What is it? Did God really say? The death knell of modern Christendom was what? Do you know what it was? It was a rejection of the God-breathed vision. God-breathed scripture. It was a saying that the breath of God could not necessarily be perfect, could not necessarily be trusted, could not be inf- necessarily be infallible. Why did we have to believe all that? When, and so the sophisticated German uh, theologians came along with winsome looks and materialistic vision and extraordinary scholarship and looked at you and looked at the church in the 20s and said, did God really say that Jesus is God? Did God, does the Bible really teach? And so his lies revived again. All of the truth of the Bible is God's very breath. Think about this, guys. What are you being invited to wrap your, put on? And this idea is it's it's ongoing. It's put on daily. It says take up in your identity and wrap yourself what? With God, you're wrapping into your life this belt of truth, which is what? Nothing less than the breath of God. What am I promising you? What's being promised in the visible war? Life. You will have life to go on as you wrap yourself up in God's truth. As you fasten it to you, you wrap yourself up in it. Because his truth is the very breath that brings life. The Bible cannot be read by you, Eric, ever without, without actually having spiritual power in you. Praise him. He's breathing. Did anybody feeling a little bit encouraged right now? You're experiencing his breath right now. He's breathing. He's always, he's breathing life into his, praise him. He's so good. Trust him. Wrap yourself up in him and what he says and trust his word. What are the promises? As we twisting wisdom into our lives, all the truth of God's promises are truth to depend on. Yes, all the promises are yes in him. Christ dies on a cross, right? He dies on a cross. He dies on a cross so he could be a substitute for Peter's sin and my sin. All of our sin, all of our crimes, all of our guilt was foisted on him. And he carried it and he, and he dies for it. But in that moment where he dies and he rises again, he, this is what the scriptures claim. Every promise, every promise is now yours in him. Amen. Every single one. Gather a promise for anywhere in the Bible, anywhere in the scripture. It's yours in Jesus. Anywhere you want, pick them up and wrap yourself in them. There's an idea here. This is where scriptural memory verses and things like that, this idea that you're wrapping God's breath into you as you fasten on the armor and this idea, this fasten, this truth, you're wrapping all of God's truth, yourself in it. Wrap yourself in his promises. So we're, we're memorizing, we memorized Psalm 20, 12, 27 together. Corey memorized it and um, Will memorized it and Natalie memorized it. And Stephanie blew it off. And so I just got to tell it like it is, Stephanie. She was a part of it, and she just blew it off. No, but, what, but, but Stephanie works with me on staff. And how do we start every staff meeting? In the Word of God. Well, why? Why, why do we do that? And why, why was I so intent? Because I want this man, I know his hope for his wife, and her hope in him, and hope, hope in this world is if they wrap themselves in the scripture, right? You're wrapped, what's there's promises all over that. Wait patiently, wait, and he's coming. The Lord is coming. He'll be with you, answering your day of trouble. Oh my goodness, all the promises are yes. 
and amen. And what, what reason we read scripture, ways you need to come here and talk, hear me talk about it. The reason we're supposed to go to Bible study. It's not, I don't have a, I don't have like, all right, uh, Jack, next to, there isn't somewhere, anywhere, a near name and then a bunch of little boxes, Bible studies, check. <laughs> Uh, uh, bylaws team check. He is working on the bylaws team, but only because he was forced to be there. Or that was you. That was you, wasn't it? Uh, check. No, no such boxes exist. I'm not thinking like that. I'm not thinking like that. All I'm thinking is, why aren't you wrapping yourself up in the promises, the word, the breath, the life, the beauty of God? Why aren't you doing that? I'm trying, I'm doing everything I can to give you something to wrap it up with. I'm giving you that truth. I'm, I, that is my purpose here, isn't it? It's to help you. It, uh, you know, you're, you're having a hard time getting your belt on, Frankie. You're trying to hold it all together, the belt of truth, trying to fasten it and wrap it. And you know what? I'm here to come around you and help you, you know? And, you know, Deepak's getting a little big, can't fasten his belt. It's okay. I can help him too. We can, we can help each other. But remember, I, you know, I'm joking around. But guys, remember, all of these promises and all of these commands are in the plural. Remember? I don't get truth by myself. I get truth with you, Juliana. I get truth with you, Dennis. We, you give me truth. We do truth together. And there we go. Oh, something beautiful happens. And finally, all the truth of God's commands are wise living. Do you remember that command, resist the devil and he will flee from you? Resist the devil and he will... That's one of the promises of the ground rules. All Jesus does is quote the Bible back to Satan, and Satan runs. It's one of the promises. All the truth of God's commands are wise living. Psalm 119, how can a young man keep his way pure? This was written 3,000 years ago. Apparently, it was as living an issue then as it is today. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Every verse has this, by the way. Psalm, I pray through Psalm 119 this week. It was so glorious. Uh, I'm keep, wait, by guarding according to your word, my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Another idea for word and rules. I've stored up your word in my heart, stored it up as memorization that I might not sin against you. All the truth of God's commands lead us to the, are like wrapping wisdom. That's the word for truth. It's sophos. It's wisdom there. Wrapping up yourself in his wisdom. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, it's funny, in the, in, the moment, in the moment of the triangle, right? In the moment we start it. In the moment where the flesh reacts to the offense, reacts to somebody flipping you off, reacts to hearing that somebody spoke evil of you. The world, you know what you want to do. You know how revenge feels and it's what you want. You watch revenge movies because they feel so good. You know, we all do that cathartically, you know? And we, we're, we are in tune with the world's message. Revenge will be your... But but we don't trust it. And then finally, if we sort of a word in our heart, we remember revenge. I'll tell you guys, I'm a vengeful person. I do not like it when people cross me. I have a long memory. I like to act like I'm a good guy. I'm not. I'm not even particularly nice. Somebody read, I wrote up a wedding policy last night and the entire bylaws team said, oh my goodness, Chris, that's the worst <laughs> most cruel thing I've ever seen. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm such an idiot, right? What was my point in this? I had a point in describing this. Uh, I have a vengeful spirit. I remember my mom, I remember, I remember my mom saying to me, because that's how I learned it, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. And I remember my mom said, 
he must be very good at it to want it all for himself. (laughs) Trust him. He must be very good at it to want it all for himself. Trust him. Trust him in everything. Trust him at the cross. Trust him as a savior for sin. Trust him as a present conqueror, for he defeated the devil. He really did. The devil's enchained and cannot move beyond the circumscribed limits of the Lord Most High. Praise him. Guys, I, I want to equip you for this battle, putting on the belt of truth. And next week we will look at the breastplate of our righteousness. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for your word. And, and uh, I pray that the words of my mouth and the things that I say would be pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. What is the mystery of our faith? Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. Praise him. Tell me, Christian, what what is it that you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. And he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you. Oh